What's up? The podcast world, the foul life. We're back at you with another episode of Yukonuba Duck Dogs. We're going to be talking about duck dogs today, one dog specifically, maybe a couple dogs, maybe a couple dogs that we got to witness yesterday that might not have been ready for the duck blind. And that's something that you got to uh, assess and understand what you're doing, the chances you're doing, or the chances you're taking by letting a dog hunt too early. Today's episode of the Fat Life Podcast, Yukonuba Duck Dog Series, is obviously brought to you the, by the best diet, the best nutritional program on the market, the best dog food available, Yukonuba Premium Performance. I'm serious. I've seen huge difference in all of our dogs since we started feeding Yukonuba 36 months ago. They are true to this culture. They believe in this culture. They support this culture. They love hunting. They love duck dogs. They love sporting dogs, upland dogs, pointing dogs, flushing dogs. Yukonuba is all about it. So please, when you go to make that decision, what's best for your dog, your pet, your hunting dog, your companion, I would look into the diet and the scientific research of Yukonuba Premium Performance. It speaks for itself. Nobody has the science and research. I've been to their facilities, and I'm telling you from experience, it works. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the results that we're getting out of one of our best dogs that we've ever had, Axel. We have some guests with us today. One is a very highly regarded or very highly experienced dog woman with sporting dogs her name is anna van nostrand she is goes by anna v you can find her on instagram i think facebook too at anna v outdoors and she's been on this podcast a time or two or three and we also got her eight-year-old daughter with us her name's hallie joe but we call her tater what tater what tater oh tate say it again tater oh tater how do you spell that T-A-T-E-R. Your mom names you Tater when you were born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tater. We're going to figure out how she got the name Tater. She even goes by Bird Dog Tater. We also have hailing from the, I don't know, not so great state of Illinois, but they got good news this week. Um, Illinois doesn't like hunters. That's right. Or gun rights. They need to fix some stuff over there. Jack Orlandi, he's a mullet boy. We call him Joe Durte here. He's a producer. He's been watching things go down for the last couple months. He's been watching Axel, and I have him on the podcast today because yesterday I heard him mumbling under his breath many times as he filmed Axel how amazing this dog was, and he did have us in awe yesterday. Is that fair to say that you were doing that? Definitely fair to say. I heard you a few times, didn't I? I said it more than a few times probably. (laughs) He's pretty cool, huh? Really cool. Last but not least, the man of so many talents, we call him Levi. His mom named him Eli. Eli Neely. He's a duck hunter. He's a a videographer. He's a photographer. He's a producer. He's working with us here. He has been in the blind for, I don't know, the last two months, too, with us. And uh, it's sadly coming to an end. I cried on the last day of duck season in Idaho, which you both were there. Axel was there. He performed unbelievable up in Idaho as well. But Eli, you like Axel, right? Yeah, he's a pretty cool, pretty cool companion. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> this freaking guy. Do you know where the name Axel comes from? Uh, Guns and Roses, isn't it? Who? Guns and Roses. Yeah, I thought you said Guns and Roses. No, no. Guns and Roses. Do you know who Guns and Roses are, Tater? Yeah. Who are they? I just know they're a band that Mom used to listen to. Used to. <laughs> Don't be aging your mom like that. <laughs> You know what else you just said that's pretty important to this podcast is band. What happened yesterday? 
Well, um, I got a band on a goose, so that was very exciting on my first ever goose hunt. So that was very exciting. On what kind of goose? How old was the goose? Was it a boy or a girl? Years. It was a girl, and it was 19 years old. And it was banded in what year? 2003. In what state? Texas. Good memory. And what are you wearing on your hat right now? I am wearing an SCI. SCI beanie. What does SCI stand for? <laughs> if you're going to wear it, you better know. Educate the audience. Safari... Club, Club International. International. First for hunters. hunters. SCI is the best at what they do. They are. They are the best. Your mom was at the National Convention this year. Anna, welcome to the show. Was the SCI Convention awesome or what? It was the best convention I've ever attended. It was a lot of high energy. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong or you can agree or disagree, but Tucker Carlson's speech is one of the best of all time in the history of of the world. Oh, my gosh. I hope that they post those so that people that weren't at convention can go back and watch it. I agree. Yeah. Did you uh, think that at this part of your life you would have the cameras at the Safari Club National Convention following you around, (laughs) caring about what you do on a minute-by-minute basis and your effect and influence on other men and women, um, you know, to, to educate them on how special this culture of the American hunter or the worldwide hunter truly is? Absolutely not. When I first got involved with industry, it was all by accident anyways, and it was really just living our lifestyle on a bigger scale. Um, Once the girls got older, then it was like more opportunities came along. So working with Blood Origins has opened up a ton of doors for me just to share what we have learned through the outdoor world and then the amazing people that make um, or that keep our rights people don't really talk about. So... Finding a home at SCI has been so important to me because they are the organization that is on the hill that is constantly protecting our rights every single day where there are very well-known organizations that focus on habitat. And from my experiences, the hunters assume that everyone is in on Second Amendment and, and it's just not the way that it is. So... We do need habitat, but without our gun rights, then habitat is, um, it's not well, useful for Club, a Safari Club believes in conservation, they do, advocacy. And, and they invest in it. Advocacy. And you mentioned at Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., fellas like Ben Cassidy and Philip and other people that are working relentlessly for hunting and shooting rights. And that's the thing about what you're talking about, I think, is that hunters can't take that for granted right they can't take it for granted and i and i think they need to be educated on how important it is i mean on the drive up here to nebraska i was dealing with an issue in georgia where um, there had been a bill that was proposed to not allow dogs to live outside well that's going to affect all the farmers and the plantations with you know even just um all dogs yeah, it was the, it was so, like, we got to bring all the coyotes inside, too, and the <laughs> I'm wolves? I'm telling you, it was it was crazy. And so my phone was blowing up about there, this hit during session, but nobody was aware that it was going to happen. So um, a lot of people got bombarded during session in Georgia. Um, 
So as a bird hunter and an upland hunter, we feel pretty safe that the world's not going to attack us and they're going to stay with the big game hunters. And, you know, of course, we support them, even though that's not what we focus our life on. Uh, but now we're learning that anybody that chooses to be a hunter is a target. Big time. And I think that, you know, like when you wake up in the morning and we get to do like what we're going to talk about today, the this spring snow goose season, you know, this is something that was put in effect by the federal government to can hopefully control and manage the snow goose population across the continental United States. There's no plug in your gun. You can use electronic collars. And the biggest thing out of all of it is there's no limit. There's no daily limit. There's no possession limit of snow geese this time of year. And you have the ability to kill, you know, 50 to 100, 200, 300 geese a day. And we have the right and the privilege to do this. So SCI is when you wake up in the morning, we're hunting yesterday, they're at Capitol Hill working on issues that could continuously or potentially affect our hunting future generations to come like hallie and my daughter Alyssa, and you, know, you, you if you guys have future kids which watching you the last couple months jack you're probably going to have a lot of them and, <laughs> and, and so if you think about if you think about it you got you need to wake up and thank your lucky stars and not just thank your lucky stars and say prayers um for other you know other parts of the world that are out there and, and that we hope that we get to continue to to live this lifestyle and be healthy and be secure and be safe and and have longevity and relationships and partnerships and all of that you have to become a member it's can't be taken for granted that you guys are in your mid-20s and that you get to wake up and go hunt wherever you want in wisconsin or illinois on public property or go down to the flooded timber of arkansas we take that for granted too much and it can be gone tomorrow this this it, it's a god-given right to hunt but it's also a privilege that can be revoked and what she's dealing with with uh in georgia they've tried to pass some freaking staunch laws the last couple of years for hunting in georgia and montana they want to make it to where veterans can't hunt they can't hunt early they can't do an early veteran hunt because these big game hunters don't want anybody to have the 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 head start and i'm like some of these guys are wounded vets that fought for our rights they're going to go out. Everybody thinks that they have this uh, entitlement mentality and approach, and we have to be the exact opposite of that. So I'm telling you guys, become members. It doesn't matter what it costs. I've seen you guys spend $60 just on Mountain Dew and Diet Dr. Pepper in the last two months, right? You guys do. You spend your money on things that, that, are, that you could go without, like we all do. If you took some of that money, let's say $300, whatever it is, and became a yearly member or even a life member, that money goes to protect our hunting rights. People hear Safari Club, they think, well, I don't go to Africa. It has nothing to do with Africa. The first thing that people think of when they hear Africa, they relate it, or Safari, they relate it to what? Africa. Africa. Okay. I get invited to go to Africa 10 times a year. I never go because it's not my bag, but I like to protect it. Hunting in world around the world needs to be protected, and that's what Safari Club's doing. And that's going to lead us into, I'm glad that she wore that hat and saw me because I, I was having a texting conversation with the president and CEO of SCI just now, like right before this started. And he is so giddy about all of the, because he's a squirrel hunter, okay? He's a turkey <laughs> hunter. He loves to hunt ducks, squirrels, and turkeys and deer. He's from Mississippi. Okay, he's hunted 69 countries. Do the math on that. Can you fathom that? How many have you hunted? Have you ever been to Canada? Nope. Have you ever been to Canada? No, have you ever sir. been to Argentina? Nope. Have you ever been to New Zealand? Never. Have you ever been to Australia? Never. Any of the Asian countries? Have you ever been to Europe and hunted? 
Not one. South Africa? Nope. Russia. You've had to go over there and kill a sheep. Think about, <laughs> think about killing six animals in 69 different countries. I've hunted maybe eight countries, and he's 10 years older than me, and he's hunted 69. This dude is into this, and he, he has spent his money and his passion and his time, and now he takes on this position as president and CEO, and he's, the, the thing he, what he's fired up about this morning is turkey hunting in Tennessee. He's making all these plans. We're going here, we're going there, we're going here. And it's like, it's awesome, right? And that's what's so cool about this lifestyle is that somebody sees this man at this convention. They're like, oh, my God, that's the president CEO. The dude's a squirrel hunter. And that's how special SCI is. Yeah, it's that they're so working, special. That they're working on a huge realm. He's shaking hands with Don Jr. and Tucker Carlson and, and all of the guys that we met, like people that she can talk about, but the warriors that I, I have a hard time talking about because I get so emotional. But we met, like, Ed is, like, there's people that were at this Safari Club International from, you know, veterans and ex-military and, and active duty military and the opportunities that they're getting because of safari club are amazing so become a member and that leads us right into yesterday and what we're doing here with yukonuba the duck dog series and having it go into our second season of yukonuba on the foul life podcast yukonuba duck dogs is we are blessed to be able to have these dogs that's what I've been thinking about the most yesterday because those retrieves yesterday were not normal retrieves. There was a lot of them. The water was cold. The swims were long. Then there was getting to dry land after a long swim and, and performing a blind several different times. And then doing what a dog's supposed to do, cutting a straight line right back to you instead of running around the pond and wasting time, right? Right. And he never met. He never checked up once. There was one time where he may have checked up a little, based and it was so gl- the gl- the glare was so potent on the water we couldn't even see. Yeah, it was yeah. blinding. So he was going off of whistle and just his nose and getting downwind of those birds, and he brought every bird back. Is that fair to say, Jack? Definitely. He's he was a stud yesterday. What else do you got to say about Axel? Tell me, like, what you think of him, your experience with dogs, and what you see in him as a as not just a a retriever and a duck dog but what's his mentality his disposition his personality his obedience how's he like to be in the truck together on the couch together like you're with axel a lot because y'all see him too when we don't so it's right you know yeah sometimes we're me and eli will be taking care of him but one thing i noticed like i I mentioned yesterday he's just very obedient he doesn't bark uh like crazy he doesn't attack anyone any other dogs he's super friendly to people and other and other dogs as well which you don't get a lot lots of times you know dogs will get angry with other ones but just his obedience and the fact that i've come on here within the past couple months and i could kind of give him commands he'll heal to me he'll listen and i just don't see that with many other dogs usually if someone has a duck dog or just uh, a lab in general they only kind of listen to their handler but he just kind of slides in with ease and it almost treats you like he, we are the handler which i've never experienced before with a, a dog in general yeah i agree he's got a just a special switch yeah i i, I don't understand it's kind of crazy to me that he actually listens to me and eli every command we say <laughs> man we might have to say it twice but you know with other dogs it's <laughs> a lot eli. worse or they, they don't listen at all so it's it's just cool he he's five years old uh he's phenomenal at retrieving ducks and geese or whatever it is and he's phenomenal at listening to us which i've just never experienced before with another dog you feel the same? Yeah, that's pretty fair to say. I mean, over the past two weeks while we were in Nashville, he was over at my house 
what would you say, nine, ten times? Yeah. And you didn't even have to put him in the kennel. He would just lay on the floor, you'd tell him to place, and he'd go to sleep, and he'd be right in the same spot when he'd wake up in the morning. Wouldn't whine at all. Maybe whine one time, because he had to go to the bathroom. But other than that, he was he was a really good dog when we were at home. When we were working, never bothered us other than, you know, nudge just a little bit, pet him every now and then while we were editing or working on something. Pet him, take him outside. Would never really run out of your sight. He's one of those dogs you don't really have to worry about putting a leash on or a collar if that. Just, hey, Axel, where you at? And just run around the end of the car and it's right there on you. Yeah, one thing I liked, I noticed too, is when we're editing and producing, me and Eli got all these cables around our laptops. We got hard drives. We got cameras around us. And we never have to worry about him knocking over a wire, him yeah. stepping on our hard drives, him stepping on our cameras. He'll walk around it, and he doesn't go all up and stuff. We said you could leave him at home, and you don't have to worry about, you know, maybe a poo on the ground or him peeing in a the what? house. <laughs> what? What did he call you that? Don't, you, don't, you don't have to worry about any of that what stuff. What did he call it? A poo. <laughs> But he's yeah, watching a movie about a bear. He's not gonna. He's not gonna tear up the house. He's not gonna go through everything. You know, he he stays in his lane. You know, if you tell him the place, and like Eli said, if you tell him the place or lay down, he'll lay down in his spot. You could run outside for twenty minutes. You come back in, and he's right there. And the house is all good, which is just something I'm not used to. Usually, if I leave a dog inside for 15 or 20 minutes i'm worried about he's gonna he's gonna wreck the house he's gonna do something but, but a lot of them do yeah that's why yeah. and axel's different which is really cool it's just something i've never experienced before you feel the same me of course i feel the same i love him and i i mean i've not been around a duck dog because i'm an uplander so um yesterday like you let me run him on a blind myself and you stayed in the pit because I just knew he'd probably be you know coming back to you or whatever or doubting me and he did perfect so he's um he's tempting me to expand on little's training because she's just a year and a half so I could ship her off and get her studied up for this for next season make her a duck dog well I mean she could be a, a duo dual dog well, i don't think so i think so <laughs> once she gets that taste of that mallard in her mouth she's never going to hear the word rooster again <laughs> i think i think she'll still love to run fields with me but i definitely missed having my own dog there yesterday because i always have the dog as the center of whatever we're doing but it was really cool to watch you with your dog and he loves you like you can just tell there's that that bond there yeah i have a weird bond with him not weird but like a real like fascinating bond like yeah it's different than I've, your other I've dogs i've had some awesome dogs but like i like literally would marry him <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's how strong the bond is yeah and it's obvious he's disciplined because he was disciplined and he went through boot camp i mean brad errington and the guys at mossy pond did unbelievable work clark and every you know lee and the whole team down there when you have the training that he's gone through sometimes dogs you'll get a phone call and i've had this happen to where they're like he, he ain't the one. Yeah, and you got to make, make the it. decision. Do you love him? Do you want him to go to a good home, or do you want to keep him and fight through that he's not the one that you're looking for? And we had to do that. We didn't have to sort through a lot of dogs, but when when we got Axel, there was a time that his maturity level wasn't there when he was a year old, and we were like, oh, well, I wonder if he's going to be able to get into this this trial game and this t- hunt test game. And yeah, because he's done so much more than just 
you did so much more with him than just build a duck dog. Oh yeah, he's a, he's yeah. he's titled everywhere. You know, and he's a dad of a lot of puppies and he he is just he's amazing. He's got a an amazing bloodline and but coming from what we thought he was going to be and we're like, well, I wonder if we're going to have to give Axel up." And I'd already introduced him to my daughter and it was her dog, you know. But then he wasn't performing like we thought like he needed to be at a year. And then all of a sudden he hit this switch and freaking title title ribbon ribbon every pass pass like everything that you wanted him to do and now like i don't i don't know if he made a mistake all year i make mistakes as his handler because i'm average at best below average i'm getting a little bit better because of the confidence he gives me and he's just got that swagger to where you could literally walk out and he if if i get him offline a little bit which i continuously do which is the number one thing i need to work on on getting a dog online which mr mike was trying to help me with that yesterday because he saw me veering him off wrong from the very get-go and that's not good for a dog when he gets his mark he's fine but it's on a blind and he's looking this way and i know he needs to be looking this way but i know that there's more geese coming i just need to get him in the water and then i can redirect him that's not a good thing he's supposed to take off at that at that down bird right so i'm I'm getting better at that but he has a he has a switch and and an ability to hunt like i've never seen those blinds he was doing and you talk about upland dogs and pointing and flushing i've been behind a lot of good vizlas and a lot of good pointers for chuckers and quails and pheasants or whatever the case might be wire hair short hairs all of them and his nose is as good as anyone i've ever seen he hunts he axel hunts them up and i'm not telling duck guys out there duck girls out there duck dog owners anything they haven't heard a lot of dogs are as good as axel if not better i'm just simply saying that he because of what he eats and he doesn't get off of that diet he got off of it one day in nashville and you saw what happened at the end uh, somebody decided to spoil him when we weren't around and they got an nobody earful. at this table nobody they got they had to clean it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> because people think because people treat dogs like humans they're not humans they're right. not people think Mm-mm. oh he's just our pet let him do whatever he want no so you um, do whatever they want ronnie smith is a pointer trainer from a very legendary family in Oklahoma and he's got a book full of quotes but my dad's favorite quote of his is if you treat a dog like a human a dog's going to treat you like a dog and this is just so true because we were talking about you know you treat them and then all of a sudden they're begging they're all up in your face and they're pushing the lines and they're um you have to ask them more than once you know and then they just unravel and it takes another boot camp to get them back on point where they were and so from a training perspective, that is a big deal when you get dog owners that love their dog so much they don't understand those boundaries. A lot of dog owners don't. They don't. We saw we saw it yesterday. Well, you don't be afraid to talk about. It. We're not going to say any names. I don't mean. I, well, I, you know, like he wasn't I, even spoiling his dog. He was just asking his dogs to do something that they they didn't have the understanding or the foundation to do what was asked of them. And he put the blame on the dog when it was all his fault. And more importantly, in my opinion, Anna, is that he was putting them in a position to where they were never going to be successful. Never. And he was being detrimental to their future. That and, young that young puppy yeah. is so intimidated now. With 2,500 decoys, the first hunt should be over eight decoys and a single here and there. You're letting extended tube magazines go off with 10 shells going off at a time. So sometimes you're shooting, you know, you got seven guys shooting. That's upwards of anywhere from 40 to 70 shots it can be. It's too much for a two-year-old that doesn't, I mean, that dog doesn't even, that dog did not have the first part of obedience down. It didn't even come back to him when he was, so I'm sitting there going, there's a couple things to learn from that. 
One, why are you putting your dog in that position? Two, why are you teaching that dog even more bad habits when he shouldn't be there in the first place? And three, why are you putting the other hunters in that position to not enjoy their hunt? That's right. a big responsibility as a dog owner. Mm-hmm. You don't put it, you don't go out there for your own benefit and say, oh, I'm just going to get him out there and let him prance around the decoys for a few hours and, and not get back in the blind the way he's supposed to. The guy was walking in front of guns. He was walking in front of what we were trying to get done. He was disregarding the entire aura of the hunt. And that's the number one thing you don't do in hunting is you never put yourself above the hunt or mistakes happen. Right. And he continuously did that because his dog, his dogs weren't ready. Even his seven-year-old wasn't ready for what he was putting her through. Well, and the, and the thing is, there's so many dog owners out there that don't understand the value of proper training and having a pro do the work. And there are different levels of pros out there. So you know, if you're on a budget, you know, not everybody's going to be able to go to Mossy Pond. You know, but there are people out there that have great knowledge that can put phenomenal foundation on a dog. Um, which this is totally my soapbox, but the people that get a dog and say, okay, well, this dog was bred to be a hunter, so I'm just going to take it hunting, and it's going to learn the ropes during season are setting their dog up for failure every single time. And then, you know, in an upland setting, you know, you're probably by yourself. So if you wreck your own hunt, it's one thing, but like yesterday when there was 20 people out there, it was horrible, and um, it was hard for me to not kind of educate that man about what he needed to do for his dog because you know he was an older gentleman so he's going to spend the rest of his years in a hunting situation just pissed right. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. he was ticked off every time he turned around because he had set himself up for failure and so uh, if you're going to be a dog owner and you know it's just so hard to find that consistency people don't understand the time that it takes to put a dog uh, to put into a dog to have um, the, I mean, not even the level of Axel, but just to know that that dog's going to be able to perform at the level that you're expecting. And there was an audience yesterday, so I'm sure that that added to his frustration. And then to have Axel out there just, like, knocking it out, <laughs> I mean, it was hard. But the thing about um, about Axel, when you want to talk about that younger dog, is just so intimidated. Like, that dog looked miserable. It looked scared. Um, and it just pretty much ran in circles. Like it That's literally it ran from him. But um, that guy's attitude should have been the complete opposite. It's, he well, should have never had his dog there. But he should have. Like he, he should have been asking have, questions. Yeah. And how can he get better instead of being on the other end of the spectrum of egotistical? Of like, I mean, he, you heard him whispering under his breath a couple times. You said that I didn't hear, it, and I'm glad I didn't. You didn't tell me during the hunt, but well, she no. heard some stuff under. It was all I was. I had to sit in the pit, or I was gonna come out <laughs> running my mouth too. But no, you know. But that's like, how ego ruins a day. It ruined our day. It put me in a bad mood there towards the end. I was oh, like, yeah. I just got to get out of here because I was gonna say something to the guy. He wasn't right with the dogs, and he wasn't right with us, and he was definitely not right for that hunt. Yeah, and I'm no expert on dogs like you two, but. From what I know, if you got a puppy who's not ready, you probably shouldn't bring the puppy out in general. And then on top of it, you got, what, we had about 15 to 20 guns in the two pits. and No, not 15. It was about, it was about 10. 10. Okay, yeah. about 10. That's still that's a, lot a lot. Of, that's a lot of guns. And from what I know, if your dog isn't fully trained or isn't ready, you probably shouldn't even be shooting your gun in general. And on top of it, he had a second dog, so... He probably should be just focusing on one dog at a time and not trying to handle two at once, which... I would have loved to have had Littles there. 
But it was not the place. Like, I wasn't going to wreck my girl because she's not been around that many guns. It would have been awesome to have another qualified dog in that hunt to help Axel. Right. To get the birds and get them back. Next year, I handle two dogs at once. One, the seven-year-old was okay. I could tell wasn't, you know, an expert, but running two dogs at once with one that's not ready at all—that's got to be even harder on the dogs. Oh yeah, poor Axel, and he handled it like a champ. So that was what I was going to say. Like another characteristic of him that is priceless is he is so even killed. No matter what is going on, if we're in the house or even when we were at nwtf at our booth and it was so crazy loud you got duck calls going on you got a band playing there's like 50 people standing around and he is just chilling and if anybody walked up pet him like he might look at him he might just lay there and just take (laughs) it in but he was the same dog that chill in the blind yesterday you remember when we went to the opry a couple weeks ago do you remember? Yeah. His, you do. Oh, I'm talking to you. You're yeah. Fine. Yeah. Do you remember who we saw? Do you remember his name? Gary. Okay, Mr. Gary Lavox, the lead singer and founder of Rascal Flats. And what did I say to you like three times when he was performing? I don't know if you'll remember this, but I turned to you and I said, "And a band." I go, "He is a freaking professional." Yeah. He owned the stage. He owned the crowd. His voice is impeccable. He was part. He was best friends with the band because he's so well regarded, highly regarded in that instance. And he went out there and made it about the people in the Opry, the tradition, the respect, right? Never above the music, even though he's got 17 number one hits and he's worth millions and millions of dollars. And he brought us in like family, right? My point in that is that Axel is a consummate professional. He goes out and he knows what he's there for. He's got his head out of the hole watching the hunt. He doesn't ever make it about himself. He puts the hunters first. He aims to please like labs are supposed to do, and he's never set up for failure. He did not retrieve his first live duck until he was three years and one month. Think about that. He retrieved ducks in a, in a, in a testing situation or a training situation, but he never went. When we went, his first hunt ever was in Alberta. What, what, two people, one gun each, and killing nothing but singles. That's all we would shoot is one shot. Kill a mallard and let him get the confidence of running through the decoys. Mm-hmm. There's a little water, a little skim water, filled decoys, full bodies with floaters, floaters, and he never made a mistake. But he never got hurt. He never got discredited. He never got his confidence hurt, right? Because it right. wasn't over gratif- it wasn't over stimulating. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say gratification, but it wasn't over stimulating to Axel. He was there and he was key and he was focused. Okay? That's not if you would have put Gary Lavox at 17 years old in front of a sold-out audience, he'd piss his pants. But now that he's a consummate professional and he owns the stage, he goes up there and he knows what he's doing because he took his time. And that's a lot of these musicians today, we're not going to go off on that, are just thrown right into this because they have a TikTok. Well, you might be able to record a video on your phone, but you ain't going to go to the Opry and freaking perform or you're going to choke to death. Okay, that's all there is to it. You got to be, you have to be trained through the entire process to become a consummate pro, in my opinion. And it shows on stage. It literally shows on stage with Gary LaVox. He did not have, he's not with Rascal Flats anymore. And he tore, he tore down the building that night. It was amazing. Standing ovation. It was amazing. And then I'm comparing it to Axel is that that's what Axel did yesterday. He should have got a standing ovation from that other pit instead of the BS that the guy was causing. I don't know if one person complimented him. He, oh, yeah. Both of the, the two guys after said, man, he's amazing. The, uh, Mike's brother and the other guy. So, it just that guy put in, and lo and behold, what did we find out today? No longer. At the he got, he got kicked out of the blind today and kicked off the property and then told he's never allowed to hunt with the outfitter again. Think about that. 
how, for the second time. <laughs> how big of a how big of a you know what do you have to be to get kicked out of a goose pit? Yeah, twice. Yeah, well, it happened four years ago, and he invited himself back, and the, the owner of this out, outfitter so nice. gave him a different gave him a, another chance, and it took him one day to ruin that chance again. Yep. He should have been kicked out yesterday. Yeah, Tater was yeah. going to kick him out. <laughs> I was myself. What were you going to do? I was going to be like, hey, dude, can can we at least just get done with here? And maybe everything will be okay. But you know what? <laughs> that didn't go that way. It had to go the opposite way. We don't have to worry about that. Oh. After, after the hunt, we were driving back up to the parking lot, and... Tater looks at me and she goes, you know what a Karen is? I'm like, yeah, I know what a Karen is. She's like, well, he was a Ken. <laughs> uh, and I had a great That's laugh. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. What, did you, what do you think of Axel, Tater? I love Axel. You do? Yeah. Why? Well, what did, what did you get to do with him yesterday? Well, um. You had a lot of firsts. A lot. But, um. I um I got to run him on yep. more than one bird. Yeah. And how'd that go? It went good. Right, let went me ask good. you something, Tater. This is really weighing on me right now. Why are you nervous on the microphone now? But you got up in front of an entire bar twice in Nashville <laughs> and sang Dolly Parton. I don't know. There's, not there's even something an weird. There. There's something weird about me when I'm in short. Like when I'm in tiny audience, I get I get so scared. But then when I'm in the biggest audience, I'm not scared at all. It's just a weird thing. Do you about want me to invite me. some people over here for this? Thing? <laughs> We're gonna have a party. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It'd be better for you. Sure. Who's the best country singer of all time? That's hard. Well. Give us like, who's your favorite, I should say. Okay, well, I have I have too many, so I'll just I'll just tell you three of them. Okay. Um, I gotta think about this. <laughs> you told me two yesterday. I did. Oh yeah, um, Rodney Atkins. Really? Yeah. Nice. I love um, Rodney. <laughs> and um, which was the other one? Was that him? <laughs> The girl with the M? Oh, her name starts oh Miranda Lambert. I like I like only one of her songs. It's my favorite. Just one song of Miranda you like? I like a lot I of I like her songs. old school and then some of her new songs. Do you like <laughs> The House That Built Me? Yeah, that's a good song. Have you heard the Marfa tapes that's up for a Grammy? Yes. Those I think so. Yeah. That's with Jack Ingram and, and That's uh, the song like what's the song what is the name? Um is it the Oh, um Y'all Means All? Or, no, is it um, They Closed Down the Honky Tonks? No, that's on her new album. But the Marfa Tapes is an album that you should listen to. It's really good. Okay, I'll do that next. I bet you Miranda would like to hunt with you. I hope so. What else do you what <laughs> I think a lot of people would like to hunt with Tater. Do you like, do you like Dolly? I love Dolly Parton. You do? Yes. Why? I don't know. I just love Dolly Parton. Why? I mean, I love the way she dresses, first of all. Do you like the way Hannah Dasher dresses? What did you think of Hannah Dasher? I loved Hannah Dasher. Why? I don't know. I just, uh, I just love. Her big hair. Yeah. Her fringe. Yeah. Her big personality. Yeah. Her, her songs. Pants. Her songs. What about that, her guitar playing? I love her guitar. She can rip a fender, huh? She's pretty special. So back to Axel. Back to duck dogs. 
Okay. Your nickname is Bird Dog. No, it's Tater. Tater Bird Dog Tater, right? No, Bird Dog Tater. Okay, something like that. <laughs> but what? What are the chances it becomes Duck Dog Tater now? Oh gosh. <laughs> and I mean, do you boys want to go hunt pheasants? I don't now? want it to I'm be. Down. Okay. Like I'm not sure. Maybe. In the next few years, I might change it. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I know it's going to be, it has to have tater in it. So. Is it so maybe taut? That's, that, that's taut. Tater taut. Tater taut. No. Tater salad. I, I mean. How about man, fried tater? I don't like fried food. You like fried like catfish, food. I bet. Okay, talk to me about okay. Axel. Why is he so special to you? <laughs> He is probably one of my favorite labs. Well, how was it running him yesterday? Your first goose hunt, you got a band, you ran, you ran Axel for the first time. Yeah. Were you pretty confident fun. setting him up? Yes, it was fun. It was very, very fun. Well, you think you could just take him out by yourself? I think so. It might take a few tries, but I think so. Where'd y'all have hiccups? Huh? Where'd you have some hiccups yesterday? Did what? he where when he didn't do what you asked? I'm like, you better get over here right now. Cause was he out there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we had yeah, to hide him. Yeah, there. I got you. Got to yeah. hide me, and then he'll listen to you better. Yeah, we just gotta hide you. You tried to today <laughs> when you saw what I was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Because I would just never imagine you in it. What? Your overalls. Dickie's overalls are my favorite. That's where I do all my mechanic work in. And coveralls. <laughs> oh, what are you saying? I can't do manual labor? Huh? What's that? Like a mean? lot of people tease me about that, Tater. Okay, before I let you, before I go to, before I go back to Eli, I'm gonna start a verse of a song. Okay. And then you're gonna finish it. Oh, I think I know what this one is. I bet you don't. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen. Pour myself a cup of ambition, y'all, and stretch and try to come alive. <laughs> Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the street and traps starts falling. Folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. What a way to make a living. Betty, get a lie. It's all taken and no giving. They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. I think she has a beautiful voice. You're unreal, Tater. Thank you. Unbelievable. Pretty good, huh? All right, Jack, I'm going to start a song and you're going to finish it. Oh, gosh. (laughs) As long as it's not country, I think I got this. (laughs) Eli. Yes, sir. When you're filming Axel, do you try to film every retrieve or do you get tired of it because you know it's going to be the same old song and dance that he's going to be able to accomplish it no matter what? I mean, I love filming Axel, and I probably won't ever get tired of it. Just, it's always different every time. I mean, scenery might be repetitive, but every every retrieve's a little bit different. Like yesterday, starting off, granted, I was a little far away, but I still got some of them. So, so, uh, starting off, he was, some of them were kind of more in the trees, darker, stuff like that. But later on, it got a little tough for him. Because the glare, I mean, we were all trying to look for the one bird. We knew, what was it, four or five went down kind of in that sunny area. But once he got on the water, it was it was hard for him to find the birds and kind of
kind of hard for us to find the birds. And trying to watch him work while we're all trying to photo and video him, that's that's something really special because watching you work, Axel, that's a just a really cool bond to see between a person and an animal and trying to see how he finds the birds while we can barely see the birds is just that's really cool to watch just especially i mean axel's just something different stud huh yeah i remember one time we were in north dakota with brad this is before axel was born and he had this chocolate up there named rufus one of the only good chocolate labs i've ever met in my whole life because there's not many there's just not not that i know of there's only a couple good bloodlines for chocolate labs that's why they're few and far between right um Obviously, there's more black labs than any, and there's good yellows. But we had this dog, Rufus, that was special from the East Coast. And I got to be close with We put him on TV, and then we got to be close with his owners because they just loved seeing him on there. And then he passed away, and it was sad. We did this big memorial to him and all that. But one of the things that I remember vividly was a blind, and we filmed Brad doing it. I, don't, I think it was before I ever really had to pull out my phone to do this stupid-ass social media stuff. But... They were filming him, and I was watching him so keenly, and I'm like, God, that's so cool. And he just had his hands up, you know, and he was freaking back, and he was taking his hat off, and freaking, and, and, and I was, and he, and he performed this blind with this chocolate lab, there, this, yeah, this chocolate lab, Rufus, and I was like, I want to do that. I called in the geese or the ducks. We were killing a combo hunt. It was an unbelievable hunt. We smoked their ass, and I was like, I want to be able to do that. You know, I could do the other stuff. I could read the forecast, and I could scout, and I could had a pretty good education my whole life. Not my whole life, but since I started duck and goose hunting, and I got to be okay at it. But, man, I wanted to do that. And then yesterday, and this whole season, I was validated with that because he's literally doing those blinds with me now. And that's yeah. a huge thing. Like, that's a big thing to where when Mike walked by and said, who said you weren't a good handler? And he gave me that fist pump. Like, Mike's a really qualified dog trainer, and so is the kennel that he works for. Um, so that stuff made me feel good way more now than saying, oh, my God, you control those ducks. You sound so good on a goose call. You know, I, I, that's cool. But that when it's when you have that bond with that dog and mm-hmm. he's relying on you and you're relying on him to get the job done, you're just like – and there's times where there's times where you have to make decisions like pull him off. That goose is too alive. He didn't look alive, but now I see how he's swimming. Axel's not going to be out in this water chasing him. Because if I don't get him now and he gets way out there and that wind's blowing the way it is, he might not hear my whistle. He might not be able to see my commands with the glare or whatever was going on. So that's what I've been learning is like, where do you drop your pride of like, if he does get that bird, it's going to be awesome. But if he doesn't, it could become dangerous. It could become time consuming where you mess up the hunt for the other people that are paying harder money to be in the pit. It could mess up the outfitter's reputation because now he's got this guy out there that just has this dog out there, you know, for his own good. And I don't want anybody to say that kind of stuff. I want him to look at Axel and be like, wow, that was that was legit. So you gotta make those decisions. And Brad taught me a lot of that along the way of like, you gotta make you gotta say, would you do it if you could? Would you do that? And I'd be like, No, I would not want to swim out to that goose with as live as it is. That goose was not to be caught. And he could get all the way out there 300 yards or 250 yards, then that goose just flies away. Yeah. Or hops right? on the bank and just walks off. Yeah, that, yeah. which, you know, that would be better than him flying away because yeah. Axel yeah. could run him down if he's crippled enough. But a lot of those geese weren't crippled enough to send a dog on. And that's what happens in spring snow goose hunting. You get a lot of crossfires, and it just takes a half of a BB to bring a snow goose down. Right. They don't have a lot of pride. Yeah. So you can have some cripples. You know when you're not when you got people that aren't shooting black cloud. So it's probably that other blind that crippled those geese. 
But yeah, I'm, I'm so fired up and excited. I can't quit. When I was sitting in there today and y'all were doing homework and you guys were doing <clears throat> your homework and you guys were editing, I was sitting in there with Axel on the couch and I was just like, man, what a badass. And he's not even in his prime yet. He's five. Yeah. He's young. And there's dog. I was with Josh Beckham at NWTF. Josh has a dog named Smooth that is awesome. And I've, I've hunted with so many good dogs. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Yella, but if you look up this show, Ducks Unlimited, Water Dog, Justin Tackett had Yella, and she was an awesome little female. And, and Mo, one of the labs that I own with my buddy Christian Curtis, we sold the dog, but he was a he was a, way more qualified than Axel. But when you get that bond, you get that bond. I have several good dogs. I hope I get this bond with Slash and Izzy and Duff. I have a good bond with Duff, but it's been harder with Duff because of he he's more of a pointing lab. And he never took on, he never took to the duck hunting like Axel did. He's good. He'll go retrieve, and he'll take a blind, but he's not going to do what Axel does consistently. Axel's on his own. Like, Axel is on a different level, in my opinion. He yeah. can do, and he marks birds. That's another thing I yeah. want to talk to you about. The way he marked birds yesterday from that box, I was like, how the hell are you marking them? And you know what he's doing? He's watching with his eyes like this and like this and seeing the direction. And then as soon as I let him out of the box, he'd turn his body like this and he would get a visual on where that bird went down. Mm -hmm. Genius. Like, that's unbelievable to me. You can't teach that. 90% of those retrieves should be blinds when a dog's in a box like that. Right. When you go to honey break, 100% of the retrieves are blinds with a thousand duck decoys in water, a tight circle of decoys, with a lot of the retrieves swimming through those decoys. Not like going, cutting off like a 10% edge of the decoys and then getting in the clear. A lot of the ducks we kill at, in Louisiana at Honey Break die in the decoys. You know how hard it is to get a dog with the decoys bouncing like this and that duck's laying on the water and this block is going like this? The visual part of it's not there. you got to be dead on with your training and your handling. And that's what we are. That's what we've gotten with Axel. Yeah, and the one thing I noticed yesterday, uh, I don't film or I don't hunt with too many dogs when I'm back in Wisconsin because... If the, most dogs I'm with aren't fully trained, and I don't want them ruining the hunt either. So the one thing I noticed that was real special yesterday was when that cripple hit the water. It was still lively, and it's about maybe 100 to 200 yards to the bank. And he saw that goose. He s swam out to it, and the goose, snow goose, had gotten onto the bank and walked into the woods. And you sent him out there. You're kind of debating. You're like, oh, do we send him? And you sent him out there. And right as he got to the bank, you blew your whistle, said, you know, gave your command back. He ran into the woods. We let him do his thing for 10, 15 seconds. And then next thing you know, he's out with coming to the snow, with the snow goose coming back to you. And if I'm hunting with a dog, it's in a cornfield. You know, there's not different terrain uh, like what you were doing yesterday. You know, that snow goose went from water to the bank to the woods. And I've just never seen a dog do that before. I know that. I, I don't know if I've... There's not many... I'm trying to think of all the places I hunt. There's not a lot of blinds that are like that, that you go from three different habitats, right? right. Yeah. You go from water to dry. You go from dry to water to dry. But to go from dry to water to dry to woods and heavily wooded, heavily bushy areas, right? Mm -hmm. it's it can... But it's his nose. And we, yeah, was, I was going to say, we saw, everyone saw him. Once he got to the woods, he took that line. He knew what he was doing. Sharp 90. Yeah, he just yeah. went straight to it. And seeing him come out with that was really cool. Yeah, and that's the thing about being a handler is that you want to be put him in a position to do that instead of having to be like, we failed and called him off of that. Right. 
Because, you know, he'll go into the woods and he'll come out without it. And you're like, well, what's the deal? No, that's not the thing. It's that it's your handling. You didn't let him get far enough to get downwind of the goose. And Brad taught me this on an episode of The Foul Life on when to cast a dog and when to stop a dog and cast. And a lot of times I'm premature on it because I'm relying on I'm going off of my vision and I make a mistake of where that goose actually is. And so I cast him upwind of the goose he's got no chance at it right because mm-hmm. what's he do he just hunts downwind so he goes into those woods two other cripples had already gone in there in the day that we didn't that we your your uncle wanted to go try and get and <laughs> now that i think about it, he made the most snidish remark to me okay there was there there was this goose that got killed went behind the blind out here to the right that was still alive and he was swimming and then there was two dead geese right here that were right off the bank in front of it that we crushed right in front of the pit mm-hmm. He comes over and goes, are you going to get that one? He's interrupting me while we're filming. And I just ignore him. Are you going to get that one? So I look at him. I go, yeah, go ahead. Get that one right there. Because that's all that dog should be trying to get. Right. He goes, yeah, that's one I want to get. And I went, no way. yeah, just like that. And I think about it now. I, I should, remember him I saying just, that. I should have just picked up part. a decoy and threw it at him. And be like, go away, dude. Just shoo, shoo, go away. That's like the nice me doing it. <laughs> if Tater wasn't here, I'd tell you what I'd really say to him. But then he goes out there. I go, he goes, walks right past us and goes out to the long goose behind us and starts throwing rocks. He did throw rocks. Oh, that's something we didn't talk about. But what about when we were waiting on all these geese to drop and then he just starts shooting in single? That just killed me. Yeah, he does he it. Did. That, that's, he did. That's. We were all out of the blind, like watching Axel. He's so good at. It. But then somebody just starts shooting. Yep, and you don't do that when people are out of the blind. Uh-uh. You never do that. Uh-uh. No matter where the goose is, you uh-uh. ne- when dogs are working, you don't start shooting. Uh-uh. You don't do it. Or oh when people gosh. out of the blind. And it, it, yeah. But before that, I was talking about. I was, what was I saying before I went off? I don't off? know, but I, this was this really bad moment. while we were living through it yesterday, and now we're like talking about it. I can't believe that we put it. up with this. <laughs> well, I, he was at the end I of the hunt. He was it. not having it. Well, no, I was ready hunt, to roll before the hunt even started. Oh I man, mean, y'all, y'all were twenty minutes after like we got set up, and we were just I was sitting where I was, and Jack was in the blind setting everything up, and they got there, and I was just like, I wonder how this is gonna go down. Because, I mean, there was probably seven or eight birds in the decoys when we got there while we set up. I mean, they just never left. They were just chilling in the in the spread. And they come in, and I was like, okay, they're not going to shoot these. I mean, it's been five minutes. Five minutes goes by, and I'm just peeking over, and I'm just like, why are they all kind of just standing up? And then all of a sudden, I'm far enough away where there's a delay between the shot going off and me hearing it. And I was like... They're all outside of the blind. They're all shooting. Now I see birds or dogs going to get birds, and they're still shooting. And I was like, oh, God. Breaking dogs. It was like every other minute they're shooting. And the whistle was the worst part. (laughs) I mean, y'all were right there on it, and I knew it had to have been terrible for y'all, but I'm 150 yards Well, think about Axel. Poor Axel, yeah. Think about Axel trying to retrieve, and he doesn't know who he... Yeah, he's like, what, what, what am I doing? And then he's working two different dogs using the same whistles at the same time. And then I was, I texted him because I mean we couldn't communicate other than that. (laughs) And I was like, is this dog really going for a decoy? Because the decoy floated off from the day prior, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, I'm 98 percent sure this is a decoy that's just sitting there. And I'm just watching the dog swim out, swim out, and I was like, maybe it's not a decoy. And then I get, he got a little closer, and I was like. I think that's the decoy that floated off yesterday. And I texted him and I was like, is he really sending him for a decoy? I mean, this is it's light enough. You should know. 
And I'm just like, oh, gosh. And the whistles, and it was whistle after whistle after whistle. And I was like, okay, maybe the dog's wrong. And I was like, mm. now sitting in the blind, I was like, mm, maybe the dog's not wrong. No, that dog. I mean, that, was, that guy put that dog on. He'll everything. probably never hunt. That dog will, that that dog will, will be ruined. Hunt. And what's so sad is like, there are going to be so many people whose expectations of their dog will never reach the level of Axel. You know, in, in my mentality, like a champion to someone for their dog is whatever they set for it, right? Like maybe they don't care about titles and and that level um, of reaching their potential. Maybe they just want to be able to go out there, pick up a duck and come right and back. That's fine. And, yeah. and that yeah. is fine. And and we can support those people as long as they're not nasty. But this guy was so nasty yesterday. It was like all we could see was negative, you know. And so, I mean, I get that some people don't want to invest the time or, or they just don't value the level of training and stuff that we want. But um, Well, it comes down to the mentality of there's a right way to have a duck dog. I don't care if he's on the level of Axel and he's not a master hunter or qualified all I don't care about any of that obedience disposition personality manners not crying not whining not making about them not breaking that's not that dog's fault breaking jumping up out of that box trying to get up out of that box and then he's all of a sudden or she or he that what was that dog ellie was a female yeah. now she's in front now she's in front of I all went those to bed guns last night hearing screams with ellie oh <laughs> and my she's God. in front of all those guns now right yeah. she's in front of guns that those guys don't know they don't know us Right. I'm not going to put Axel in, in 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 harm's way over a snow goose or a mallard duck. No way. And that guy was constantly allowing it, walking in front of pits, not saying, "Hey, the gun's unloaded" or anything. Like it was just, it was unbelievable. And that's the thing about I don't have patience for dogs that aren't right. It's not the dog's fault. Right. I just don't have patience for it. You don't do that to a hunt. And everybody could, if you could have the mentality, "He's my dog. I'm going to let him do what he wants," or "I'm going to, you're going to, let, he's going to do what I wanted him to do for me." And that's not fair to the dog. These dogs were bred to be champions. They don't have to be hunt test champions. They have to have the champion mentality, though. Right. And that two-year-old lab now is going to be nothing but a couch dog, probably. She's not going to be qualified to go out and do that hunt. She won't be ready by next year if she starts now. Just not going to happen. She's scared. Yeah, she's scared. And like, she has a confidence issue now that has nothing to do with training. And just, yeah, like you Could said, you imagine if you had to take your driving test in the Indy 500? Think about it. I don't know. Imagine racing Tate Fogelman to get your 16-year-old driver's license. Tate's 21. I wouldn't even know how to start the car. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, when you go to get your driver's license at 16, they're like, all right, here's your test. you got to finish. you got to qualify five laps around these guys. <laughs> While being belittled the whole time. Yeah. Right. That would just. By having whistles go off in your car and, and Ricky Bobby and freaking just <laughs> everything going off. Imagine that. That's what that dog's going through. Right. Wasn't oh, and, ready and for then, that. And then the, the, the rocks. Are there shells? shells? He was throwing brand new shotgun shells at him. Okay, so let's change the subject about something good because I just forgot about this. So when we were sitting in there and you were thinking about just, you know, the journey of Axel and just how proud you are and, and the investment that Brad had put in you, and I was going through pictures and video from yesterday. I knew, because with us being in the pointing world and Hallie Jo starting at age three, she got Dolly at three. Yep. It was going to be a very long time before she could ever have independence with a dog, but she wanted that. And then her sister was a rock star in the horse show world, and she was always having to just sit on the sidelines and watch her sister win. And so I was like, okay, we got to find something for her where 
she can have that independence and that success because she's got the drive. She's soaking up knowledge left and right at her age was just unreal but she's it's gonna be a long time before she can carry a gun behind a pointer and i'm not doing hunt tests in that world so um i was talking with my du buddies back in georgia and they had put me in touch with brad and this was years ago like i don't know tater was probably five and um and so i talked to him and i didn't realize that we were so far away because he's still about four hours or more from me but to think that he was my first contact of thinking about getting Tater Rug in um, in the hunt test world with a retriever because she could automatically go into total independence like she did with Axel yesterday at such a young age with the right dog. And then yesterday was like came full circle. She got to run a dog that he had trained. It was it's a great it was point. really cool it's a great because point. our world's so small and so supportive. Yeah, that's a great point. In getting kids involved in hunting, you don't you don't want to take a young girl out when it's negative eight in South Dakota on a Canada goose hunt when it's snowing in a ground blind and see one goose for her first experience. She's not going to be comfortable. She's going to be freezing cold. She's not mm-hmm. going to get the the exasperation of geese doing what they do. I'd made this mistake with my daughter turkey hunting. I took her on a turkey hunt in Nevada for the first one. Now she never wants turkey hunt again. If I had taken her to California or Missouri or somewhere with her goblin, she'd be like, oh, my God, can't wait because she loves duck hunting. Because on her first chance, she freaking went out and killed a big bull canvas back in the youth hunt. And she's addicted to it. Loves calling, loves it. Um, but I don't push her into it. I'm just letting her naturally develop the instincts to want to do it more. Right. Her cousin, Clayson Chase, is eaten up with it. Like the guy is like Ted Nugent. Like he wants to kill everything. <laughs> I remember one time I was in my backyard and I was barbecuing. And he comes walking around the corner holding two rabbits. And I went, the hell, what would you do? He's like, I smoked them both, Uncle. Have my pellet <laughs> gun out there just popping them. He's like six years old. Um, so... When you think about getting kids involved, you want to take them on a nice experience. Let them be comfortable. Let them be happy. Let them be engaged. Let them see animals. Let them have some success. And that the chances of them wanting to go back are a lot more. And it's the same with, with what, what she just said. Can you imagine if she, her first time would have been with one of those dogs and she's out there being like, what do I do? Do I whistle as much as him? And do I say her name as much as he has? And like, that's not the right experience, right? You got to set them up for confidence. You got to put them in. And that's what Anna's done with her is that she puts her in a position to be able to be like, oh my God, I can't wait to do that again. That was so cool with Axel. Yeah. And then, and last summer she, she hunt tested all summer. Yeah. And but, I got my junior title. Yeah, she so did. That but, was fun. but then you got to actually apply that. Yes. In the field, and I think that's that's so much more important when when you're a hunter. Yeah, I mean that's been a big contribute to my success in the tournament hunting world is to have these dogs with these skills and me be able to use them um, in hunting and just apply what I mean. There's a lot of people in the hunt test world that aren't hunters. Well, I, Maybe even like anti-hunting. <laughs> yeah, they might not you know? even be Republican. And so. <laughs> Um, you know, those skills are set for a reason and it's not just for pretend hunts. You know, when we get that level and we put them in the in the moment just like yesterday, there's no way we would have been able to retrieve all those birds if Axel wasn't at that level to where you could put him out there, especially when he couldn't see. Um, so it's important. And so it's been really cool to see her get to um, go step by step and understand like the real application of what she did last year. I think it's great. And I think you mentioned the visuals of that hunt yesterday. Another part of that is that when you're when you look out in that sea of 
of uh, decoys. Like, think about how hard it is for a dog to pick up a, live, a real goose. You can't, as a human, very often. When a live goose lands in those decoys, you're, like, searching for minutes before you're like, mm-hmm. oh, there he is. Happens all the time. So it's just, I'm I'm, I'm just blown away. Not that level of water. Like, yeah, that level of water. He doesn't even have our visual. I'm blown away by how his instincts. I honestly think that if he, his tests this summer are going to be on the next another level because of this hunting season. Oh, I agree. He picked up yeah. so many birds this year that he's going to be on in all kinds of different situations. That river hunt in Nebraska for those big geese, I mean, he was freaking leaving the blind. I'm trying to think. It was it was it wasn't a blind because you could see, but then there was a drop off, right? Probably a two foot drop, maybe. Yeah, two feet drop. So like when they hit the water, he wasn't seeing them hit the water a lot of the times. So he was leaving the blind, clearing land, going down, hitting land again, then entering the shallow water, running sandbar, water swimming, picking up the goose, and then or taking my cast, and then he had the current to deal with, mm-hmm. which you know I've had a hunt, had a lot of great hunts on rivers, and it's a different kind of hunt for a dog. And handling, you don't. That's a bad position to put your dog, especially when there's ice involved, and the chance of floating ice or the chance of a dog breaking through ice. There's all that things that are going through your head in the river hunting. Is that if this current gets him, and you don't put him in a chance to get to shore, you know, in the position to get to shore, he could be gone. And I've had it happen twice. Not personally, I wasn't there, but I had two friends lose their dogs on rivers and because he never of the position seems they got fatigued. No, that's another thing. Is never, today, I mean, he's he's been, a, today he's a little tired, but he worked his butt off yesterday. Yeah. And he's, like so when Jack crazy. said that he sleeps, he slept last night. Oh, <laughs> well, talking about his next season hunt testing, the thing that we didn't talk about him is that he has such a will to work. Like, he wants to do the job. So, I mean, he never, he never balks you. Never, you know? And that's such a – that's genetics. He always wants to work. I think it's got to be genetics. It's got to be, and I think that he. I think that he is. I don't know. You tell me. Like he's not going hunting on Saturday, and then taking a day off on Sunday to be with the family. Which you know, this is maybe a hit against me. My life's different, right? Mm-hmm. He's hunting almost every day of the season, in different places around the country he's living in a truck living in different places travel so that's another thing that goes back to nutrition if he wasn't on the right nutrition he could not keep up his i don't know if there's a dog that travels and has as many handlers as axel yeah that's true and and then on top of that on top of that he's being he's being put into a position to hunt all of those different scenarios right but he's also he's also traveling so much he also is at an advantage though so he's not hunting on Friday or Saturday because you you know a lot of people work Monday through Friday, okay, and that's just the that's just the way it is. And and a lot of people's dogs get to hunt one day a week maybe. So if you think about that, the the the, the weekend warrior kind of thing. Yeah, that mentality. But if you look at the reps he's getting, he's gonna get tired. He's got to have the right nutrition. He's got to have the right sleep cycle and the right rest. But he's also, he's getting the reps to where he's got that confidence and my confidence of being like, well, what's next? What else can this dog do? I don't know if there's much more he can do as far as what I've seen, because I would never put him in a position to do a 700-yard blind not knowing what's over there. Oh, yeah. That's a big mistake people make. They're like, oh, my dog's the best in the world. Watch this. Well, you don't know if there's a dirt road over there where a freaking four-wheeler's going to fly back and smoke him. You don't know if there's anything going on over there. Right. You just don't know. You just got to be cognitive of all this. So I don't know. Maybe it is an advantage that Axel hunts 
as much as he does in as many different places. Plus, he's in so many different social environments. Mm -hmm. So he's always just around a campfire. He's around the Traeger. He's around the the couch. He's around the NWTF show. I mean, that's a lot of, what's the word? Where you're like over socialization, no stimulation, over, overstimulated. Yeah, you're over. He's he's stimulated a lot, but he just stays so chill through it all. And, and you know that's something else for people to realize. And this this has been the thing when people contact me about wanting a puppy, they never expect my response. But it it's like it, you got to work from backwards. So if people contact me about a puppy, I say, have you picked out your trainer? And do you value pro training and what's the purpose of your dog? And then from that, you know, I tell them, go find your trainer if you don't already know who that is. And then allow them to help you find the right dog for your purpose and what you're doing. Because people just want to pick a breed and they don't understand the different levels um, with the genetics within breeds. And um, so finding that trainer that has experience with certain genetics just makes the entire thing so much better and and trainers that have well i mean brad's got so many puppies out there he can train his genetics with his eyes closed because he knows he knows what to expect from them he knows their potential he knows how to push them and people get more out of dogs that they understand so um i just i think that's probably the best thing when we when we see the train wreck that we saw yesterday he had no idea like what if he had a dog that uh, he could have had like a superstar and, and, he just, and they might have you know been. And you never know. Like we were actually talking about that. Um, one of the one of the guys that was with us yesterday. I don't remember who it was, but how many dogs end up just laying on the couch that should have been a household name, you know? And then how many household name dogs were probably a cull, you know? People just didn't expect them to be a rock star, or whatever. But they they just landed in the right hands. And so um, I just think taking the time to do your homework and finding the people that can advise you the most is going to get you. Because if you're a weekend warrior, you don't have the time to put into your dog like that, no. um, like you do. And so um, I've just found it's been the best way for me. And I had that help, and I'm just so grateful for it because— You're talking about professional training. Yeah. Nothing and replaces it. Nothing does. Nothing. And and then having that advice of having the right dog um, with that trainer to, to maximize its potential for your purpose. It's a really big deal. People just don't understand that value. Most people don't even have the, the qualified ground to train on. Let alone oh, the God, time. Yeah. Or the um Running a dog right now you can't get birds. For, right. So to think you can get birds, yeah, birds and ducks awesome. and stuff for training if you don't already have accounts is just impossible. But just run an axle on a baseball field, like I've done that with bucket drills and stuff. Yeah. Doesn't set him up for yesterday. <clears throat> well, if you go to Mossy Pond or, you know, Wild Acre or some of these other kennels and, and trainers we deal with, they have qualified land. It's got all of that in there. I mean, if it didn't, you'd never be able to put these dogs in a hunt test. Because when you go to a hunt test, whether it's UKC or AKC or whatever it is, you're not on flat grass. Like, it's, it blows my mind how difficult it can be. Mm-hmm. Then you start throwing in the idea of the other, before we get to the actual hunt in this podcast, podcast, I want to talk about what a poison bird is. Do you understand what a poison bird is? A poison yeah. bird is something that can get a dog off course. So when I'm, when I'm marking out Axel over here, there might be another duck right here that I didn't see or didn't know that was there. And he might get downwind of it and want to go for that one, and it's got his attention. And that's what they do in these hunt tests is they try to trick the dog with a poison bird. Like, he'll be running or she'll be running out to this mark, and they'll just cast another dog and try to get him off of their game. Well, a dog, when he goes in a line, it stays in that line. He doesn't stop until stopped, right? But that poison bird's meant to get him to, to lose a point. 
Well, in the snow goose game, there was a lot of poison birds that I wasn't seeing because I'm like, oh, I didn't, they're in the decoys. Yeah. So then he would get to it, and I'd be like, he's going to go to that duck. And he only did it one time. Mm-hmm. And it was on that far one because of the glare. Yeah. He went to every bird I cast him on or sent him on a mark that was, I was just like, holy shit. Like, yeah, he's not missing these. Like, I would have missed them all. I would have just turned around and got this one. It's right there. Mm-hmm. But instead, he'd just keep going where he, he where I intended you. him to go. And that's just another thing, going through all of that training and all through his testing and just applying that to real-life scenario. Happened yesterday. Happened yesterday. And that's yeah. so gratifying. It yeah. is the more... I've been on stage at every big duck and goose calling competition. I've hunted with all the who's who's from Phil Robertson to Fred Zink to any of them. doesn't matter. That's all been awesome. I'm honored to do it all. But yesterday, I was just... And today, I'm just like, man... I couldn't do it without this dog. I we, would not go hunting without Axel. We no, would have been screwed yesterday. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Sure. We we had killer goose situations, and the only thing like that we couldn't stop talking about was Axel. Yeah. You know, like and we I'll, had I'll great guns. We had the best people there, but he really made yesterday special. We better start getting some puppies out of Axel. <laughs> we're letting him have all these litters, and we're not. Taterbug wants one. I really do. Why, Tater? Well. Because I think Axel has a—he's a pretty dog, and I want a puppy out of him because of how smart he is, and he's not like the rowdiest dog like they were talking about, where he's not just gonna go, go crawl through stuff and knock everything over. So I feel like it would be nice to have a dog like Axel. And and do you want a male or a female? And I probably want a female. Female. Hmm. How come? I don't know. It's just like I want to have a girl Axel. A girl Axel? <laughs> yeah. Axella. 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 But could... you only have girl dogs. Axel. I really do. So you're fond of the female I mean, dog. I don't really care to have a boy or a girl. Like, I just want to have Do you already have a name picked out or something? No. Not yet. But I just want to have a dog that I can trust through hunting fields, and I want to have a dog I can trust in the house by themselves. Okay, so do you do you want to hunt with Axel some more while you're up here? Yeah, that'd be more. That would be lots of fun too. Do you think it'd be more fun than sitting around the lodge? Yeah. You stuff to do your schoolwork. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to start a song and you're going to finish it. Okay. Jolene, 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 I'm begging. Of you, please don't take my man. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Your beauty is beyond repair. From blaming locks of auburn hair with Irish skin, eyes have been broke. <laughs> oh my God, she's so awesome. Eight-year-old knowing Dolly. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Eli. 
What do you think of the snow goose on Eli? You ever seen that kind of spread? Not like that. I'm used to just trying to chase them, find the feed, set up 2,000, 2,500 decoys. 2,500 in a morning? It's. You're out of your mind. How many guys? You better have at least eight, 12. Oh, eight, that's, nine. that's a lot of work, Jack. Yeah, Are they rags? Are they rags? A lot of them were socks. And, uh, and last year we put up some full bodies, but that was a lot of work for in the morning. And uh, they just didn't really want the field that morning. The uh, the work was there, but the birds weren't. The birds didn't. The migration wasn't on. Mm-hmm. It's funny how you think about the migration. When we were driving, where were we driving to? We were driving back from the hunt yesterday in the store and y'all were in a different no we were in the same truck and those geese were fall, flying over the road mm-hmm. right that was like 60 miles 50 40 30 miles from where we were hunting mm-hmm. so if you think about the path that these birds are taking back north you're not going out and finding the roost and knowing where they're going to eat you're literally relying on them flying over close enough to see that big footprint that you have with that that's why the spread's got to be so big right it's got to draw them from it <clears throat> I'm not going to act like I'm a snow goose. I don't know how far a snow goose can see that blind from, that spread. If I had to guess, it's several miles that they can spot a spread like that on a sunny day like that, a clear day. That contrast just and, throws it. And and make their way to it. And they fly, From my experience, they fly higher and migrate higher than any bird I've seen. Great point. And they're going to see for a lot, a lot more things. But here's the deal. If they're two miles away and they see that, but their their intention is these adults that are on the or the front end of the migration. Their intention is to get back and do what? Mate, mate, mate. Why would why would they draw them off though? They if I'm off. if I'm going home to mate, and there's a McDonald's two miles that way, I ain't going to McDonald's. <laughs> you follow? I follow. So why would they like be like, oh, I'm coming? And they do it yesterday. They were way over there to the west, and then they would be just, oh, suck in over there. One That's crazy, I, and they die. I think it might be they're migrating so far. They, you know, they can travel 100 miles plus in a day, and I think the key to our success is water. Yep. You know, if you gotta, they could pick out any cornfield or any field they want, but they probably need some water to hydrate to keep on going back north. So migration, think, migrate. You're right, man. Migrating birds are gonna want to hit water. Yeah. When they hit so field. I think that water was definitely key. Especially that helps. midday. Midday, they they got water or getting north on their mind. And then it's like. Tater got the 19-year-old band, so they've seen everything, or that goose at least has seen everything from field spreads to water spreads, whether it be... What about that spread? Was it awesome, though? Mm-hmm. The actual cool spread. Sp- that's the coolest spread I've ever hunted That's a cool yeah. spread. You know, f- snow goose floaters and full bodies, no socks at all. And the only, chills. The only snow goose I, I, hunting I did was last year in central Illinois, and it was 500 socks, and we had no wind, so it was a bit of a struggle, but... You got those full bodies, and it's a little bit of a different game, especially with the adults, the amount of adults we were seeing. I probably need some full bodies. Larry and Ryan have 12,000 greenhead gear full bodies. That's that's a lot. 12,000. Think of the investment. How many trailers does that fill? <laughs> think, think, of the, think of the investment, not to mention how psycho you have to be <laughs> to, be to a want snow to chase goose snow goose hunt, hunt, snow geese like this. I mean, these, you heard the story yesterday. He's in Arkansas picking yeah. up a spread, drives all the way to Iowa, wakes up at 3. His son wakes up at 3 in the morning in the truck and has no idea where he's at. <laughs> and his dad's out in the field setting a snow goose spread in Iowa. And he left, and he left Arkansas 12 hours before just to get his client, just to make his clients happy. Like, that's crazy. 
Vandemore, you're nuts, dude. All these <laughs> snow boots hunters are crazy. Well, it's like when we were driving up here, he, you were, uh, you were sleeping. He was driving, and then he, he called me. It was like one o'clock in the morning. He was just curious where we were, and I was, I was like, I think we're somewhere in Illinois. We might be in Missouri. I don't really know. I asked him what he was doing because it was one o'clock in the morning, and I assumed he had clients the next day. He was like, oh, well, gotta run down to Arkansas, pick up my spread, run back to Iowa today, set the spread. And, I was like, well, and then we, get to Nebraska yeah. to take care of his clients there. And then, lo and behold, he comes to Nebraska, leaves mid-hunt, didn't know where he went, and then to come to find out, ice broke, and they started pushing all the floaters into the the uh, the blind. So he was he had to run back to Iowa, fix that, and then he came back to Nebraska and hunted the next day with us. Psycho, mm-hmm. insane. It's the only, way, the only thing you can say, Larry. Larry Freeman and, and Zach Zelgers, I mean, Ryan Zelgers, are probably two of the coolest people I've met in the waterfowl industry. Two of the most passionate, compassionate, kindest people I've ever met. Like, oh, they have sure. no ego at all. No. And they work their asses off. Earmuffs. Well, they, I mean, they hung out with us yesterday, and I just got here, and I felt like I'd been here the whole time. They did too. That's how yeah. the kind of people they are. And you asked him, I remember you're like, Ryan, do you ever shoot? He's like, oh, not really. He's like, I just like to hang out in the blind and take care of my people. Yeah. That's so respectful. wonder why That's he crazy. wasn't in that other blind yesterday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you ever thought about that? Ryan? Yeah, why do you think he was, was in our blind and not the other one? Well, I don't think he wanted to be by that guy. <laughs> <laughs> You could have said because we were the cool people. Anna, you are yeah. known for your shotgunning. What do you think? You're shooting a Benelli Super Black Eagle three, left-handed, extended magazine, extended okay. tube. Then you got the Rob Roberts on it. You got the T two choke tube, the high vis sight. You're shooting nine shots at every flock. Did you love it? Were you excited when the geese started to drop in? I mean, was, was your anticipation there? Were you fired up? Well, yeah, I was fired up, and it is a it is a transition going from only shooting over under. It is it does feel different? But when we left yesterday, I told you that it was insane to shoot that many rounds. Um, and those shells, what, 1450s we were shooting yesterday? Yep. And feeling like we were out there with a 28 gauge. Like there was absolute no recoil. If Tater could have shouldered that gun, I would have felt super comfortable to be like, go for it, kid. It was crazy to... Um, and that's a big deal when you're yeah. shooting that many times at that many different targets, right? Getting on, transitioning to your next target with, oh, yeah. with no, because you would think shooting that heavy of a load, we're shooting BBs at 1,450 feet a second, three inch black cloud BBs. You think you'd be getting knocked around, but that's why black cloud's so special because you can stay on target. No one's sore this morning? No shoulders are sore? No. no. I, I honestly don't know, and I mean this with all honesty, and I'm saying this on the Fat Life Podcast, You Can Do But Duck Dog Series. I don't think I missed all year. Probably the last two years, I don't know if I've missed a duck or goose. Would you agree with that? Would I agree with that? I, I didn't really pay attention to yesterday. <laughs> oh, you were just in it for yourself. I see. Yeah. She was grind. She was... I was, too. There there was two of the, those last two flocks. I was lined up on them so perfect, and they all kind of just scooted to our side of the thing. Yeah. And I think we killed 11 out of that one flock, and they were all – I asked Ryan, I go, where are all the dead birds? He goes, they're all on your side. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Like, when we got out of the pit to go they get them, they were all the three three the But they were all, like, side. within five feet of the blind, like, right there. We just – and they just – and that, 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 that means that you're on target and you're not getting pushed around by your gun. Well, there was some – there was one – Flock, I remember it very vividly because I asked him, I was like, how close was that to landing in the pit? 
because I would follow the birds and I would I would see it get poofed. I would then hear it two seconds later, and then I would just follow it down and follow and follow and follow, and then you just hear a thump from where I was. And a I was couple of them almost landed on us. It landed yeah. right behind us. Yep. Yeah. They oh, were, yeah. Yesterday yeah. was a true migration day. Yeah. It was a true. We almost awesome. dropped one on us. Yeah, it was what, it three feet like away from metal. coming in yeah. their pit. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. right by us. It was right by us. Yeah. What'd you think, Tater? All those geese. I know you had to take a little nap. <laughs> I know that you're too yeah. young. You're too. You're too little right now to do it. But next year, I think you'll be handling a twenty-eight yeah. gauge. Well, at least I still got to see out of the barn. That that that's 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 still good. But I I would like just. Like, when y'all went up to go shoot, I would pop up maybe 20 more seconds later. After so I'd give y'all, shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe 20 seconds later when y'all are almost out of shells. So, then, as soon as everybody got done, we would, we would all, like, me, Chad, and um, Jack would rush out of the barn, and I went... I went, because we went, so he, Chad directed Axel, so he brought them on blinds and stuff to go get the birds. So we all rushed out of the blind. Jack was filming while, <laughs> while we did that. And so then we would come back in because we would see another flock from a, a little ways away. So we would all rush back into the blind. And then it would just happen over and over again. And you loved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Tater. Okay. Taters. What time did we get there in the morning? I mean, she really was there all seven. day long and we never complained yeah, like to leave. Seven. Most yeah. kids won't do that. What is, when you no. see a picture like this, Tater, what does it make you feel like? It makes what me is feel this picture? fun. Who is that? That's me and Mom. And where are you? We are in Nebraska. Where? In the duck barn. In I mean, the goose, in the goose, goose barn. Goose pit. How does it make you feel to see that you get to live that life with your mama? Makes me feel good. Why? Because it's fun. And what else? And does it teach you responsibility and, yes. and, and respect for animals? Yes. Does it teach you how to respect other hunters and, and have the respect of the resource and what Mother Nature lets us do? Yes. It's pretty neat that your mom lets you do this, huh? Yeah. That's a pretty cool picture, huh? Yeah. I hadn't hunted a pit till I was 23 years old, and you got to yesterday at 8, so that's pretty special. In March, in Nebraska, yeah, the spring snow goose yeah. season. Get a band, run too. axle. I know. This is your first year in the pit? first ever goose hunt <clears throat> I've ever even had. Me too. <laughs> yes. See, we had our first on a few things. Hey, you've got yeah. more bands than I do. You do? Yeah. How many bands do you got? Well, if you have one, I'm going to say you have one. How many bands do you got? Oh, I say that I probably have in my whole career 70. That, that, that's, that's I don't even keep them anymore. When I get them, I give them all away now on every hunt. I give them all away. That means you need to go on more. I had some yeah. hunts. Oh, yeah. I had some hunts. I had a Canada yeah. goose hunt where we killed six in one flock and eight in one flock. Oh, my. Whoa. Family groups. I had groups of, I had mallards where we killed five in one flock twice. Huh. That's crazy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. It's called yeah. jewelry. That's what that's Duck Hunter's jewelry. Country boy bling. <laughs> Country boy bling. I so, think that comes from the Urban Dictionary that Eli ne- <laughs> Neely wrote. Are you gonna Are you gonna come back upland hunting with me? Or are you probably sold not? Out? <laughs> sold probably out. not. 
this has happened twice in the last week. We were in Atlanta last week, and I, I heard buddy Nick from Texas works for. He's coming to the foul life next year, too. He's like, he's like I don't care if I ever – I don't even know what a quail looks like. I want to see some ducks. That's not what he said. <laughs> That's a line from Wedding Crashers. Okay, Bradley Cooper. No, that was uh, Owen Wilson or Vince Vaughn that said that. Yeah, it was. That's the foul life podcast. You can uh, you can do but duck dog series. Today's episode is brought to you by You Can Nuba Premium Performance. It was also brought to you by Federal Premium, Black Cloud, Banded Brands, Lear Toppers, and Flask Cap. Flask Cap, absolutely amazing. I'm looking at a Tyler Farr limited edition that we did for him last week for a party we threw with Tyler in Nashville. Check out Flask Cap, F-L-A-S-K-A-P. What Drew and the entire crew in Montana are doing. I love the innovation. I love the style. I love the swagger. I love the aura. I love having my Flask Cap with me. Lear Lockers, keeping all of our gear safe and dry, secure while we travel America's highways byways back roads dirt roads god i love this lifestyle i love what lear does for us federal premium black cloud when you pull up and you take the responsibility of aiming a shotgun at a duck or a goose and a lot of the federal premium products for upland birds or any of their rifle cartridges or anything they do you got to have confidence that your product and your gear is going to perform and i have zero hesitation when i touch that trigger off that that bird is going to die and i mean die now as a hunter you want them to die now i'm unapologetic about killing animals but i have a lot of respect for them i do not want cripples i do not want them to suffer and thank you to banded brands for all of the gear i cannot believe it has been seriously 14 years since we started banded and the company is blown up. Thank you to all of our dealers. Thank you to all of our, everybody that supports us from our direct consumers to our dealer base, to all of our fans, bandedbrands.com. We have so many awesome garments for men, women, and kids. Find it today in all different types of real tree camo, other camo patterns if you want to go that way. And today's episode, last but not least, is brought to you by WorkSharp. If you love to hunt, you better eat what you kill, in my opinion. I love to eat what I kill. And one of the things I'm envious of in life is my godfather, Lauren Biglieri. You know why I'm envious of him? Because he's a butcher. I want to be the best butcher I can be. In my second career, I'm going to be a butcher. I'm going to have a butcher shop and I'm going to wear that white apron and I'm going to sharpen knives and I'm going to cut the entire animal up. You got to wear the hairnet though. I'm, no, I'm not wearing the hairnet. It's going to be my butcher shop. He's got to have the beard net too. They got to have the beard net. But work sharp and check them out. Knife and tool sharpeners. And I used some today. Did you guys see the one on the counter that I was using? These knives are sharp. There is such thing as a knife that's too sharp. You can have you can sharpen it too much. There's a lot of instruction out there with work sharp that'll make you the best butcher, best processor of wild game. And even if it's domestic, if you're doing chickens or lambs, if you're doing... I don't care if it's your own beef, it's your own pork. Make sure that you have a sharp knife. If it's in your blind bag, if it's in your tackle box, if it's in your toolkit, it doesn't matter where you keep your knife. Always have a sharp knife on you. And even when you buy it at retail and it's got that blade on it, trust me, it's not up to its potential. Get one of these products, one of these sharpeners from WorkSharp and make sure that you become the best butcher, the best processor pretty much the best provider that you can be. I'm Chad Belding for Anna V, for my good friend Tater. Bye, Tater. Bye. Miss you. Miss you. Can't wait to hunt with you again. Yeah. Check out Tater. She's going to be living in Nashville pretty soon. She's going to be a sensation. <laughs> she might not be an artist. She doesn't even care about being an artist. She might want to be a writer, a publisher, a record producer, a music uh, artist management. She's going to be good at all of it. Jack Orlandi, you can find him on Instagram at... Jack Orlandi 1. Jack Orlandi 1. That's Anna simple. V's is Anna V, A-N-N-A-V, outdoors. Jack Orlandi 1. 
Eli Neely. And then it's just Eli Neely Photography. Photography on Instagram. And then you better not have Instagram or TikTok. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. (laughs) No, you don't. People can't follow you, though. I got about 400 and something followers. (laughs) Wow. That's impressive. And what is the Instagram? Bird Dog Tater. Bird Dog Tater. B I G D O or B I R D. B I R D D O G T A T E R. Bird Dog Tater. That's at Bird Dog Tater on Instagram. She's one of a kind. And TikTok? No. No. You ain't got no TikTok? Yeah, I do. This is The Foul Life. This song is called My Foul Life. It was written by yours truly and it's performed by 2AM Logic. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.